On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day amigos and welcome to the Four Diegos here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Nice to have your company tonight, Rodrigo Rodriguez with you and uh, thanks to Finey. And you can catch Finey again uh, tomorrow night from 7pm. Vinny Venezuela's here tonight. G'day Vinny. G'day Rodrigo. Hi everyone. Yes and uh, Warren, how you doing? Welcome. Yeah, good to see you. And Carlos Alberto Diego is in the chair. How are you? Good evening, Rodrigo. Good evening, boys. And let me just say, Warren's looking more like Aaron Moy tonight than uh, <laughs> Harry Redknapp bit... like he did last week. You you made a call uh, about Aaron Moy when he was at Western Sydney Wanderers. We were yeah, saying yeah, that he I was did. your love yeah. child, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a superstar. He is a superstar. Oh, now he is. He is He'll a be, um, <laughs> he won't be long for, you know, league what? football. He'll be playing in the Premier League soon enough. You know, well, you know what? Know he could not... play for Man City. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. There's no uh, doubt. Is he the guy where he's just, you put him in, whatever level you put him in, he seems to excel. Yeah. Eventually, he seems to excel. Is he one of those guys, if you throw him in at Man City, in amongst the, you know, the Agueros of this world and the, you know, uh, the Fernandos of this world, and, uh, I mean, they're getting rid of Yaya Toure, but, I mean, all those great players that, Pep Guardiola. Is he a guy that's going to turn Pep Guardiola's head eventually? To me, and I think Pep Guardiola could be the, you know, the manager with enough self-assured confidence. You know, I can pick this guy because I'm not going to be criticised. Absolutely. It's going to be a big show tonight. We'll talk more about mm. uh, Moy and the Socceroos, of course, um, and a whole lot more. We've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Warren's rant as well. Uh, looking forward to that. You were very feisty on Periscope, which is uh, our pre-game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's when I could get one second of air time between you and Carlos. Running, we've got a lot to say. A lot of running a lot the on-the-fence show oh, that on. you do run. We've got a big show, and uh, so we've all, that rant. I'm looking forward yep. to that. Uh, Paul Ocon as well. Oh, we've yes. got uh, Paul Ocon. We did an interview with him earlier in the week, and uh, riveting. said a lot of riveting. really interesting stuff. Riveting. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that one. But uh, now it's time for. The yes, it is time for Rodrigo Rodriguez's Q&A. Looking forward to this one because it's going to be mostly about uh, the Socceroos. And if you want to talk about the Socceroos tonight, give us a call, 94291116, or send us a text message on 0433981116. Yes, off the SMS, Diesel, Diesel George, uh, no, he's not uh, one of the candidates for Married at First Sight. He said... Uh, can I start tonight off with a confession? I'm not afraid to say it. I'm, I'm, uh, I love Tim Cale. Yes. I love Tim Cale. Don't Diesel be afraid, George Diesel George. Yeah. Don't be afraid. There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, Rodrigo, you forgot to mention that it's called the uh, Ange Wet T-shirt hotline. <laughs> it's <laughs> very important. It is. 94291116. Give us a call on the Ange uh, Wet T-shirt. Well, it's, it's a wet glow weave shirt, it really. It was a glow weave. Yeah. And I've got it. Can I just say, I, I'm willing to be um, corrected here, but I, I don't know if I spotted a nipple ring or not on yeah, Ange. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I wasn't looking that closely, I've got to say. Yeah. I'll tell you, by the way, because he's sweating profusely. He, he was. <laughs> uh, but I didn't see much body 
hair below the shirt. So I'm just thinking, does he wax too? <laughs> Forget diets, though. Just buy a ticket over there. Oh, yeah. He you would know, be, weight yeah. loss. Yeah. He would be mortified if that was, mm. if he heard that, you know, the Diego's mm. were pulling to pieces the game against United Emirates. <laughs> and we were talking whether he had a nipple ring or he yeah. waxed. Her shoot. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say, there's only one time you, as a national coach you, you can probably get away with wearing a Bintan singlet, <laughs> and that's at a game over there. That was it, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey uh, just before we get into that, the NPL Grand Final between Oakley Cannons mm. and South Melbourne is on this Sunday at Lakeside, yeah. um, September the 11th at 5.30. That's the kickoff time, so uh, book through Ticketmaster if you want your tickets. It uh, should be a great day, mm. and uh, it should be a great game as well. Oakley Cannons take on South Melbourne in the NPL Grand Final. All right, boys, um, of course, the Socceroos went over there to... Abu Dhabi and took on United Arab Emirates and it took a goal from uh, great Timmy Cale wow. to uh, separate the teams. It was 1-0 and uh, the Socceroos sit on top of their table, of their group, of course, uh, with uh, two wins now, six points. So yep. started the campaign absolutely brilliantly. Should we be keeping a lid on it or should we start gushing straight away? There's all sorts. I mean, Ange is gushing over his own team. Um, he's not the sort of guy that would gush over himself, but they were terrific uh, yesterday morning. They were absolutely fed. They were as professional mm. uh, in that performance away from home. Really, really difficult conditions with the hot weather, the travel ex- aspect. Apparently, a lot of them got crook on the plane ride in the flying mattress getting over there. Uh, so they weren't right for the game, but they put performance. It was a 90-minute performance, I thought, that uh, was super professional and really puts us in good stead uh, going forward with these next two games in October. I tell you what I love is about Super Tim. First of all, I, I love. <clears throat> but Vinny, should we be putting a lid on it, or should no, we? No, no, we've got to we've got to celebrate okay. the things that are there to be celebrated, Carlos. And uh, we played really well, and they were. It was really bloody hot, and, and they <laughs> and they did they did yeah. really well. And if you didn't know that, just uh, check the vision of Ange in his shirt. <laughs> but um, the, the way um. Tim Cahill pushed himself away from that player. Well, he didn't push himself away. Well, he actually pushed the player well, away no, from no, him. No, no, he asserted his presence yes. in the zone. And With the his guy hands, never recovered. Can I, can I just say, that, that's what I like about the guy because yeah. he's so um, confident in what he does that he'll do it. And Mark Milligan's also a bit like that too. And, and I like the way that we, we imposed ourselves physically. Sometimes we probably crossed a bit of a line. Mm. There, were, there were a few sort of... Um, Studs up tackles that there we was, got away with. There was one in but, particular in the first half. But, but uh, I, I like the way that we did that and that we try and own our territory and get our territory back, even though we were under the pump uh, at the start of the game a little yep. bit. I think back to the times where Pim Verbeek and Holgeroski used to take teams into the Middle East and teams with the likes of Harry Kuehl, Lucas, I mean, great players, Britt Holman, uh, Britt uh, Emerton, Britt Holman, uh, Mark Swartz, these are part of our golden generation and we were looked we we were made to look pedestrian at times over there with the skill and not dealing with the with the conditions. But Ange just in that one performance, okay, we only scored one goal in the end, but we were so dominant and so professional. Uh, the pattern of play were there. Uh, that was a UAE side that everyone's rating quite highly. Beat Japan in Japan the week before in a comprehensive way. Uh, it was just it really. I think now we've got a standard that. You know, Ange has got to meet, the players have got to meet, even if future coaches and players have got to meet that standard. We cannot accept a, a team that doesn't play that way at that level ever again. Uh, because if you don't meet that level, it means you're not up to it. Well, I think um, what, you, what you say is right, Carlos. If 
the res- if you looked at the results with Japan losing, it would have been easy for a previous manager to go over there and say, let's just play for a point because the way the, the, way the games have started in this round, if we come out with four with an away point, that'll be fine. But I like the fact that Ange goes, we're going to play our way, home and away, regardless of who we're playing against. And what he said about the end of the game with us running out the game and being as strong in the latter part of the game as them was 100% right. And I think he's going to have that confidence to go, I don't care where we're playing, we're going to play our way. And you know what? In terms of depth, in terms of the number of players that can play the way he wants to play, it's totally interchangeable. Look, Mila Jednak doesn't play. Yep. Milligan moves from the centre of defence into the centre of midfield. Speranovic comes on and plays in that role. You wouldn't even know Jednak didn't play. Well, I would say, and it's a bit harsh because I love Mila Jednak, but I think Milligan, uh, shielding the back four and being a bit of a protector, has probably more strings to the bow, a bit more composed, a bit better at passing uh, range and ability uh, than someone like a Mila Jednak. But Mila Jednak is a spiritual leader. He's just... Uh, He's, he's, your, he's your man, he's your bully there that uh, frightens anyone in Asia who wants to big up against us. So I can understand why Ange sticks by him. Well, I know, I know, I know Miller you're next playing at Aston Villa now, but you had a go at me when I said that Mark Milligan could have played in the Premier League at the same time Miller Yednek was playing. Hang on, hang, There's we, no doubt. What are you talking? I, this, this was a I, beautiful conversation. He's the most improved. <laughs> hang on, don't move on with that. Making an accusation like that, I never no, no, ever said that Mark Milligan. It's on tape. Okay, where's the tape? Well, we'll get back. Yeah, to okay. That. Yeah, Pedro on the panel. Get back to whenever you give him a date, and Pedro will find about it. Yeah, two okay. Years yeah, ago. yeah. Two years ago, I never ever said that Mark criteria. Milligan wasn't as good as Mila no, Yednak. No, I, I never said that he couldn't play EPL football. I said Mark Milligan has won me over in the last three or four years with his ability as an all-round player, he's, a leader. He's tough in the tackle, uses the ball well, supremely skilled, and can break forward, which he doesn't get an opportunity with the soccer one of the few and score guys, goals. Carlos, that's playing in the Emirates at the moment, that hasn't gone backwards. He seems to me to be playing as well as he had, even though he's playing in the UAE at the moment. He's He was very good again last night. He's a super player. Yep. Can I say uh, this about Ange Postacoglu? One of the reasons I think he's a bit of a legend is that whereas Gus Hiddink uh, taught us the value of a super sub and, and having a fit team, I think that Ange has done two things in particular that are noteworthy. First of all, he's, he's, got a, he's built depth in the squad and he's, he's backed players, and so... You're confident now with every player that's on that bench that goes on. You know that they can do a job because he's actually honed it down precisely as to what he wants. But the other thing that I think he's done uh, remarkably is that he's taught us to have patience in the game and the players. So even when we won the Asian Cup and all of that sort of stuff, it was he, he's watching the other team and he knows that in extra time we've still got a chance. And, and he'll... He'll, he'll, he'll bide his time. And, and I think that having that patience is, is what's reassuring about him as a gaffer too. Mm. I, I totally agree, Vinny. What I, what I loved, I don't know if you saw the interview before the game uh, with Simon Hill. He, he was quite serious, a little bit shirty as well, I thought. Hey, he's he a looked, bit testy. He's a bit grumpy. But he gets testy with everyone. Yeah, no, I, I like that. He, yeah. already, he already started the sweat. You know, yeah. it was on his, <laughs> by that stage, it was just on his brow. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but what I loved about it, he, he gives players confidence. Yeah. Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy mm. has got so much confidence. He he kept Tommy Urich in that that team. He could have he could have been tempted to, know, to change I, I, that up. And I ridiculed was uh, a few years ago when he suggested Tommy Rogic. I'm not even going to say Tommy Urich. Tommy Urich. Yeah, he, he's 
He's Mark Viduka like. Well, I wasn't going to use. I wasn't going to say no, that. No, I'm using and my I still, words, and I still laugh hard whenever you say that. But he's showing maybe a percentage of what you're talking about. Mm. Very, very small percentage. But he's starting to be a nice little target man for us up front. Yeah, he, no, absolutely. And I think, I think you know that that's, that just goes to the depth you were, mm. you were talking about, Vinny mm. Venezuela. My wisdom too, no, and your wisdom. You did mm. say very that Tommy Urich was yep. as good as Mark. Viduka. I said he, Mark, no, I said Mark Viduka like. <laughs> oh, you did. Now you're misquoting. <laughs> Look at the midfield. I won't do that. We've got Tommy Rogic. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've got Aaron <laughs> Moy. Yeah. We've got Aaron Moy. Stop just right there, Carlos, because that Tommy Rogic <laughs> and Aaron Tommy Moy Rogic. combination. <laughs> Is a beautiful, beautiful thing. That mm. is just like a relationship that is, mm. you know, better than what you're going to get on the Bachelor. But you get a menage a trois here with uh, oh, oh, Max Longo. You're on. not going to get that on the Bachelor. We got three players there with <laughs> a menage. Ball. Yeah, a menage. Is that trois. what we call them? Yeah, it's like a it's like a diamond formation, but just with three. A three prime uh, menage. Now, now <laughs> we've got we've got three players of that ilk. Yes. Each one of them with ball at feet can go past an opponent with ball at feet, mm-hmm. and. When was the last time we had three midfielders that have they, – they welcome the pressure. They're so composed on the ball. Not only brilliant passes of the ball, but also can go past people with ball at feet. For me, that's a joy to watch, having three of those in the midfield. Throw in Milligan, who can play that way if you allow him to play that way. Uh, you know, it's just exciting the type of players that we're developing. I'm not even talking about Leckie at the moment. Um, and it's uh, just a beast, really. The oh, way runs my God. And... What, you know, there's no pressure on Lecky anymore no. because you know there's other players who can build up, and he can just be a finisher. You might find that Lecky in the lead up to the next World Cup might start scoring more goals because there's not as much pressure on him. It'd be good off the text message here at Dean and Crib Point. Who's going to score if not for Tim Timmy? Uh, we can't rely on him forever. Great to win uh, in an oven. Come on, Moscow, Dean and Crew Point. Yeah, no, Dean, you forget that the week before, the, the game before, the, you know, Tommy Urich uh, scored and also Maslowongo. We, we tend to... F- Aaron you know, Moyes hit the post yeah, in both games. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's not such a worry anymore. In the, in the game against UAE, yes, Timmy came on, but we did have some good chances anyway. Uh, but Timmy finished it. And it was a clinical cross by Brad Smith. And who's to say that Tommy Urich couldn't finish that if he was in that situation. So I'm not as worried anymore, but we do have a lot of the ball and don't convert as much as I... Th- if you're going to be a world-class team that's going yeah, to go deep into a World Cup, you need to be able to convert same more. Old, that's the same old story for 90% of international teams, isn't it? The ones that separate from the cream to the rest is having that generational striker, you know, that, that player. Now, a lot of countries, if you look at a lot of countries, they don't have... They struggle to score because they just don't. Yeah, but Ange is now wanting to go deep into a World Cup. His his mantra now is not just to get to a World Cup. He wants to go deep into the World Cup, and you can't do it unless you start converting more of the possession you have. I think we can do it. I I heard a whistle. I know. I heard a whistle. I agree with you. But just off the text messages, we'll make the last date of the World Cup. That's anonymous. And uh, Tommy in Ascot Vale, mate, keep a lid on it. I want to book my Diego's World Cup tour now. Yes. Russia, here we come. We'll have to join Comnibol to get some competition. Yeah, the, the Ruskies, nice Ruse and Rubles tour. That's right. The Ruskies, Ruse and Rubles tour. Um, <laughs> don't book it Self-titled. yet. Yeah. We yeah. need a partner. Yeah, we need a partner. Yeah. We've got one. Yeah, We've yeah. got one. Absolutely. We've got one. Uh, you've got a meeting with him soon, haven't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Good, good fellows thanks. at uh, Premium Sports yeah, Tours. But uh, <laughs> anyway, 
But uh, look, fantastic stuff. Uh, the next game, of course, is against Saudi Arabia over there on the 6th of October. Then they come to Melbourne, Australia versus Japan on the Tuesday, the 11th of October. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff with the Socceroos. Every game is must watch. I know we cringe whenever we start suggesting that uh, our coaches and players and teams can do something special on the world scene. We have an SMS here says, and you, you read it out, Rodrigo, that we can make the last date of the World Cup. Is it time for us to, like Ange, say, why not? I mean, or do we still cringe that we only beat, you know, when I say on paper, UAE and Iraq? They're hardly world, you know, you know world-rated teams. Should we be celebrating so much? Should we be, um, you know, uh, outrageous with our potential and say we can make the last date or not? Don't smile at me, Rodrigo. Tell me. <laughs> no, I think we can. Okay, there you go. Especially on FIFA. Oh, it, <laughs> I reckon we can. We just can't host it here, Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to cringe anymore. I, I, you, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, yellow card, Carlos. Yeah, okay, I've got the red card. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, serious. It's exciting to talk about. I understand your excitement. But yeah. now it's time for Warren's Everybody Rant. Was Last week on the show, Carlos expressed nerves going into the first Socceroos game. He said he was nervous. I don't want nervous Socceroos supporters. I want true believers, Carlos. People that believe, no matter who we're playing, when we're playing, or how long it's been between camps, that we are true believers. There is no small target with the Socceroos anymore. Australia could qualify through any confederation in the world. Not South America. So, Carlos, for you and your friends out there that want small target soccer, you small target Socceroos fans, they're not true believers. We want only true believers on the bus. I'm Warren, and that's my rant. In 1997, a British man placed one of the most peculiar bets ever taken by bookmakers. Steve Caldicott of Birmingham had a $45 bet that his son Jack, then three and a half months old, would score a goal for England in the World Cup final in 2018, when Jack will be 21. The bookies gave odds of 50,000 to 1, which would win Caldicott a cool $2.5 million. This has been a moment of supreme optimism by the four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. Very nice to have you along on this Wednesday night. I've been talking about the Socceroos and off the um, SMS machine here. 100% we can make the last eight. We've got the depth, the coach, the spirit, the grit, players that can cause chaos. Steve from Safety Beach. No doubters tonight. Usually you get someone is a doubter. Trying to put some so-called you were reality. a doubter last week, Carlos. I'm not, just a before the game, at all. I, were... I'm nervous, but it's nervous. good nerves. Good nerves. nerves. It's the nerves you have to have to win those sort of games, not the complacency you bring to the table every time, <laughs> Warren. I don't rate Lecky. Watching him at times is frustrating. Hard worker, but lacks polish and decision making. Who is a better option, though, Paul? That's Brad S. I will. I will defend Brad Matthew Smith. Lecky. Brad Smith. Matthew Lecky. <laughs> he is still a late comer to the game, relatively, isn't he, Carlos? He's had a. He has had a very big rise. Only went from 
State League to yep. Adelaide in a season and a half he was overseas. Three years in Germany or four years in Germany He's now. a rough diamond still. Oh, but I'll tell you, he's a regular in a team that's mid-table. Oh, it's only a couple of weeks into the, at the Bundesliga. Uh, the guy can play. And yeah. he will... He Upside. Will be, yeah, he will, in the next three or four years, be a player that will be feared on the world stage. I'm not saying a Messi or anything like that, but he'll be a player known as a, as a really, really good player at that level. Big upside. I think he will benefit from putting a few more in the net. He has oh, to. Absolutely. Yep. Let's hope so. And uh, Diesel George, who declared his love for Tim Cale at the top of the show, Ange can do whatever he wants. I love him second best. Yeah, but you yeah, wouldn't hug him, though, after your, uh... the sweat. No, yeah. no, no. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> whatever turns you on, Carlos. Hey, um, earlier in the week, uh, this is the as part of our uh, Four Diego's Bosses series. F- football Bosses. Football Bosses, yes. Carlos. Thank you for correcting me. Mm. Um, we, we caught up with uh, mm. the, the new coach... Of the Central Coast Mariners and former Socceroos captain, no less, uh, Paul Ocon. It was a great interview. And um, at the start of the interview, I asked him, uh, he'd only been in the job for a week. I asked him if he was prepared to make a prediction <laughs> on where they'll finish this year. Um, well, we've just signed Leo Messi. <laughs> Marquee, so, uh, yeah, we want to win it. <laughs> Paul, uh, Vinny Venezuela here. Out of curiosity, did you open with grid sprints or did you just do you know, a light jog? <laughs> no, just a light jog. A light jog to start off. We'll sprint later. <laughs> now, Paul, it's Carlos. Uh, a little bit of a serious one. Uh, well, it's not really serious because your friends thought you were mad taking on this job. What uh, attracted you to the Central Coast Mariners job? Um, well, look, I, I, I want to coach uh, in the A-League and uh, you know, the, opposite, the opportunity presented itself and um, you know, I didn't really need much convincing. Uh, you know, the Mariners have probably the last you know couple of seasons have been you know maybe a little bit disappointing, uh, given you know their, their success that they've had uh, you know prior to that. So um, it is a successful club, and for whatever reason it, it, it hasn't been like that. Um, you know, that's hopefully something that uh, that I can fix. Um, and yeah, I, I, I want to test myself as a coach. I want to see. Uh, uh, you know how far I can go and, and, and make a career of it, and, and you know, and hopefully this is uh, the first step. Now, Paul, we've chased you around the world for probably over 15 years now, and uh, we saw you as a really thoughtful footballer, very, very intelligent. Uh, not only technically gifted, but you really knew uh, about the tactics and, and especially leadership and leading your team and being almost a coach on the field. Has it been part of your desire, uh, even when you were playing, that one day you would be a coach at the highest level? Yeah, I, I, I definitely knew early on that that's you know probably where I wanted to head uh, after I finished playing, um, and and that's exactly what I did. And then you know I started getting my coaching badges and, and, and you know, started coaching at a junior level, and sort of worked my my way up to to the point where I sort of said to myself, yeah, I feel like I'm 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 ready for that next uh, that next challenge. And uh, I never set myself an actual uh, time frame when it was to happen. Um, a lot of people don't know that in 2013 I was offered a, a head coaching position in the A League, but at that time I didn't feel like I was uh, I was quite ready that I was uh, that I was yet, uh, that I was there yet, and I, I was still learning learning what I wanted uh, uh, as a coach. And uh, you know, I think I'm 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 close to it now. And uh, and again, the uh, the opportunity to uh, to coach the Mariners was 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 an opportunity I wasn't going to uh, to let slip. 
Now, Paul, in terms of coming into the position, I'm not sure whether there's an ideal way to come into a coaching job, but we know Central Coast decided to change teams after a loss in the FFA Cup. I wonder, how do you see those circumstances? I mean, you've come in for a week. Have you, no, have you really noticed that the players are open and embracing a new change, I suppose? Um, I'd like to think so, and then, then a week is, is a week is not long, um, and certainly, uh, you know, coming in, uh, given what 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 sort of happened uh, in you know in the past few weeks is is not really ideal. But uh, you know, I found a group of players that uh, you know are really hungry, um, a group of players that are motivated, and uh, and you know, I I see everyone is buying into the the culture and the standards and expectations that uh, you know that we set. Um, you know, last Tuesday when I took my first training session, and and the challenge is not only uh, you know for the players, it's also for myself and the staff to uh, um, you know to make sure that we week in week out uh, you know we meet those standards. And if we can do that, I'm you know quite uh, quite confident that uh, you know we're not going to win the league. I don't think so, and I'm not sure that uh, there's too many people out there that uh, that are expecting that. But we're certainly going to be. A better team, uh, and we're going to play exciting football, and hopefully, um, you know, get that support back again uh, at Central Coast Stadium, and, and and make it a difficult place for uh, for visiting A League teams to come. You talk about exciting football. I think uh, Tony Wormsley was sort of criticised for basically having this attack mindset, you know. And Central Coast last year scored goals, but they copped lots and lots of goals. So, will you be looking for a, a better balance, I suppose, between? attack and defence as much as you want to play an attacking brand of football? Exactly. I, you know, I, I, if you're an exciting team, I think you're an exciting team with the ball and without the ball. So, um, you know, it's a cliche that clean sheets uh, wins your games and, you know, wins your titles. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's an area that, uh, that I do value and, and, and it's something that we're already uh, working on at the moment. Uh, and, it's, and it will be part of our, uh, our playing style. So... Um, you're right, you need to find that balance. Um, you know, we, we certainly need to be uh, dangerous in attack, but at the same time, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, defensively we're sound and everyone uh, knows their individual roles. Now, Paul, Vinny Venezuela, in the job interview, given that, uh, you know, it's all about the brand of football uh, that one plays, and given that you did play in Italy, did you did you woo them with things like diamond formation, <laughs> false nine, you know... Prong, prong. Yeah, Catanacho system. Catanacho. Did you say prong arama? Did that come in? Um, I was actually, there was a little bit of discussion about that. And, and, and obviously, uh, you know, what was my uh, vision and philosophy on the game? And uh, so, we, you know, we certainly spoke about, uh, you know, formations and systems. And at the end of the day, I think there's no right or wrong in football. Um, you know, it's not what system you play. It's... Does everyone understand it, and is everyone uh, executing, uh, you know, what's uh, what's being asked of them? And I think that's the secret uh, in coaching. Now, Paul, you're from an Italian and also German descent. You've been coached by some some of the world's greats. I mean, Terry Venables, Sven Goran Eriksson, uh, even Dino Zoff, I think, signed you when you were in Belgium to take you over to Lazio in the first place. What are you going to be? What are you influenced by in your coaching? Is it the Italian sort of way of doing things, or do you have a bit of the clinical German in you also? I have. I've, I've got both. I have that clinical German where everything has to be perfect. Um, uh, 
uh, you know, everything has to be structured and, and, and a real, you know, high discipline. And then I have that Italian in me where if I lose, I get really angry. <laughs> um, or if someone makes a mistake, I, I get upset. Um, but, look, I, I think, uh, you know, you need to find a balance and, and hopefully uh, that's something that I've learned, uh, you know, in the past four and a half years working in national teams in environments where um, it's really tough and challenging and... Uh, and hopefully that's something that, uh, you know, I'll take through, uh, uh, you know, into this season. And, Paul, given your sort of background, are, are you tempted to swap those tomato sauce bottles with some of your mum's <laughs> salsas and some big tributes to what your people have produced in the past? Actually, my son said to me the other day, am I going to get $10 every time a ball hits the, the, the <laughs> bottles? And, yeah. So we're working on shooting practice every day, so I... Um, I'm not donating money to my son. <laughs> now, Paul, you said you've cut your teeth in the uh, in the youth system, and I wonder after going in, after having that sort of camp mentality where players come in for periods of time, you can work with them. I wonder if one of the real attractions to you know coaching the Mariners is that week to week involvement with players, because it does seem like a very hard road to hoe in terms of getting our youth teams together and getting them successful enough. You must be relishing the opportunity to work with players week in, week out. Uh, yeah, 100%. You, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was something that I was, I was really looking forward to and I'm, and I'm enjoying every day of it. Uh, um, you know, any coach will tell you that they never have enough time working with their players and, uh, you know, whilst that experience of working in national teams is great, um, you know, having the best players in the country coming together um, and forming a team, uh, is and, and was a great experience, but it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult when you see boys for three days and then you don't see them for, for nine months. I, I, I didn't have a young soccer camp for nine months uh, this year, so I had that opportunity to be working every day and certainly the playing style that uh, that I want uh, to execute. You know, you need to be you need to be working on that every day. Hey, before we let you go, have you got a war chest? Have you got uh, any money to buy? Um... <laughs> Messi, like you said, no, but anyone that uh, anyone that you can tell the Diego's uh, you're after. Well, it was between Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. <laughs> but Cristiano Ronaldo's got a better body than me. So yeah. I've gone for Messi. Yeah, he's done. He's got the blonde locks at the moment, hasn't he, Lionel? <laughs> now, now, Paul. Sorry, I know we were going to let you go a couple of minutes ago, but uh, are you going to play a sweeper system? I mean, you were one of the world's best sweepers in your day. Uh, are, you, are you encouraged to bring the sweeper system back? Um, I've, I've been asked that question a couple of times now and uh, these days now it's the goalkeeper who plays the sweeper system so you know, hopefully he's not going to be too far up and get the <laughs> um, There are precedents. There are precedents. No, no, he won't, we won't be playing with the sweeper. Okay. Hey, Paul, thank you very much. We really appreciate your time and uh, the Diegos have uh, followed your career right from the start and uh, we're really thrilled that you're uh, on the national uh, landscape now as the uh, new coach of Central Coast Mariners. All the best to you. It's really important that the Central Coast Mariners do well in the A-League and you're the man for the job. So thanks for joining the Diego. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you a lot. There's uh, Paul Ocon. Really enjoyed the interview. And to catch the full interview, because mm. that was only part of it. Uh, check yeah, out our Carlos po- Waffled on. No, he asked a few good questions after he that. He did. And, and uh, Paul gave us some for pearls of wisdom mm. uh, and some parenting advice about how yep. to keep your kids active yep. and get them off the iPads. He yes. referred to that a lot. Uh, which is really interesting stuff, and uh, also his thoughts on Ange Postecoglou mm. and uh, and their relationship. So some big statements about Ange too. By some like. huge mm. statements. Mm. So check out the podcast tomorrow. 
at Four Diego's. The full interview will be there. It'll be well worth a listen uh, if you're interested in anything to do with football. So make sure you check that out. Uh, do you think, guys, given that uh, we didn't get much time to talk about this, we don't think we'd get any time, Scott Miller being sacked at uh, Newcastle Jets, if, uh, if Paolo had waited a little bit longer, <laughs> whether he would have got the Newcastle Jets job given that he'd played for them? Uh, I think he would have been. I think he would have been a solid contender for sure. Yeah, and it sounded like when we were talking to him about his desire to coach and you know why now Central Coast, it was more I think the availability of that job. It's not like he'll take anything, but that whole idea of that was my one chance. If it, I may not have got a chance for another couple of years, so I would have been shocked if the Newcastle Jets job was available that he wouldn't wouldn't have taken that. Other than uh, rather than the actual uh, Central Coast Mariners job, would have been very interesting mm. speculation now, Carlos. Unfortunately, but uh, yeah, Scott yeah. Miller sacked tonight or today from uh, the uh, Newcastle Jets. Big so hot hot news. It is hot, hot news. news. Anyway, we'll uh, might talk about that a little bit more. But uh, let's take a break now, and after that, uh, we'll catch up with Mike McGrath. The Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. How much do you feel the game? Do you feel it like Brazilian commentators do? I love this game. This has been a tribute to Brazilian commentators everywhere. This is the Four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. All Night Appetite coming up after the Diego's with Scotty Cooney, so make sure you stick around for that. But we're going all the way to the UK now and catching up with our man on the street there at, uh, from the sun in the UK. It's Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the Diego's. Hi, guys. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm inside, but I'm on the street. As well. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, no, I didn't mean you were on the street because yep. um, they must pay you well at uh, the sun. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you've got the full, uh, the full uh, quorum of the boys here, Rodrigo, Vinny, um, that guy over there, Warren, and Carlos <laughs> as well. Hey, it's the Manchester Derby this uh, weekend. Mike, are you going to that? I'm actually going to Bournemouth for Jack Wilshere's first, uh, first game, which we're also excited about. Maybe not quite as much as uh, as Pep v Jose, um, which people have been talking about for the last week. Um, that's where I'm going, but obviously there's a lot of focus on what's going to be happening at Old Trafford um, Saturday lunchtime, our time. Uh, Mike, does uh, Wilshere know that uh, Bournemouth is a no-smoking town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, um, a move that kind of came out of the blue really last week um, and what a coup for them. Um, Bournemouth is, I don't know whether you guys know much about it, it's you know it's got a reputation um, as a bit of a stag-do town actually, as well as being um, a place to retire, it's a place where stag-do's go, um, which is a bizarre mix. Um, and we're just seeing how, how much he can play. I think that's the that's the big um, question 
that has to be answered because he's had this terrible record over the last few years where he just can't get on the pitch. So um, so he's gone there for a fresh start. Mike, I'm interested in the... Um, is there... Is there strategic thinking and strategy around the loan moves, particularly players going from one Premier League to another Premier League? If we use Wilshire as an example, going from Arsenal to a to a club like Bournemouth, uh, is there a sense that bigger clubs like Arsenal will only send players on loan to clubs that they don't see as direct rivals? Is there that strategic type thinking? And how much um, influence do players have over a willingness to accept a loan deal to a particular club and not a particular club? Yeah, I think um, from from Bournemouth, um, from the point of view of the club getting the player, it's low risk um, for the money that's put out. It's not, you know, with the TV money we've got, it's not a huge amount of money. But you're right that um, there's a lot of players, particularly at places like Man City, are out of favour, who wouldn't be able to go to a big, a, a traditionally big club. Um, Yaya Toure being the prime example, the last thing City want is for them to be, for him to be helping another team in the Premier League. Joe Hart went to um, Italy, and if they do stay in the Premier League, then it is the places like Bournemouth that, that Jack Wilsh has gone, where theoretically he shouldn't be doing any damage to uh, to Arsenal's rivals, uh, to Arsenal and might actually be helping them by beating their rivals throughout the season. So, um, yeah, there is there is a strategy there. And, and in the case of Wilshire, it came down to where he wanted to go. Uh, a few teams were interested abroad, um, but also in England there was Crystal Palace and Bournemouth. So it was down to him in terms of how much he would be getting out of it and financially, and he was getting a lot out of it as well by having his really big mate, Benica Phoebe, in the same team. Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, let's let's talk about the game that you aren't going to. Uh, Manchester <laughs> City, uh, Manchester United. Uh, the rivalry between Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho is legendary. I mean, it, was, it got very, very feisty in Spain. Uh, and Jose did very, very well in getting under the skin of Pep Guardiola while he was there. And it sort of got battled out through the media. What's it like there at the moment? Are they both behaving themselves? I know there was a story that uh, apparently the Manchester police are on alert because of the way uh, Jose sometimes attacks Pep Guardiola. They might start a ride in the stadium because of it. Uh, what's the feeling like there? And are the both managers behaving in the media? I think at the moment they've been very much... Um, but they haven't been explicit, but there's been particularly from Jose's side, there's been his his way of putting his messages forward, uh, which he has done since early July that he's been here. He's been uh, doing... He's, very, he's quite accessible in terms of the amount of media he'll do, and he will, and he will get his message out there. Uh, Guardiola's slightly more guarded in terms of the time, time that he gives, and I think he's more of a, a, someone who says he'll let his... Um, football do the talking and maybe that might change later on in the season if they have a bad run. Um, so they've been quite respectful so far in terms of saying the right things um, in in the media but we do know obviously that there is no love lost between them and I think over the next few days it'll be really, really interesting to see what messages come out of each club and how they approach this game. 
Mike, uh, both teams obviously have had a great start to the season thus far. Is it, is, is any one team, do you think, have, have an edge over the other at this point or could it go either way? Uh, I think you'd have to say Man U have the edge because, um, because Aguero's out for a start. Um, City will have a new goalkeeper or they'll have Willy Caballero in goal, which I think is an advantage for United. Um, and if you think about the progress United have made, it's been a radical change from last season, whereas City were have improved yet, but it's not... We're not talking about this amazing new new city, whereas um, Man United are different in just so many ways, uh, from front to back in that team and the confidence and the end and everything that goes with it. So I think at the moment you'd have to say, with home advantage too, that that United um, would probably be favourites um, in in the odds. Mike, a self-indulgent question, but an important one nonetheless. <laughs> Liverpool play Leicester City this week in a game that not only... No mar- one cares about. Well, it <laughs> marks the unveiling of the new stadium that takes the Liverpool capacity up closer to their biggest rivals. And I'm interested in the fact that the Leicester-Liverpool, they both sit on the same points. Liverpool have played two good games and one really poor game away from home. Leicester lost on the first day, but have got a win in a struggling sense in the in the last game of the season. It's probably an important signpost game for both teams in terms of whether they'll be able to at least hang in there against the, the two Manchester United Manchester teams and even Chelsea. Yeah, I, I think for Liverpool it's this inconsistency that they've got, you know, being so terrible and so so exciting, you know, one week after the next, that's probably that that's probably their big problem and, and Leicester Actually, after that first weekend of the season, I think they've kind of sorted themselves out quite well and look quite good. Um, it will be... It's obviously that that fixture is quite important. Um, it was quite important last season, I think, the way Liverpool won and then Leicester bounced back. And then, obviously, um, in the Vardy scored that, that season called King Power Stadium. And I thought that was... One of the games where Leicester thought that they could really, they really believed that they'd do it. Um, so, I mean, it's there's, you wouldn't say there's nothing, there's anything there in the first few weeks to say, God, you know, these two are going to challenge United and City. So, in that respect, it will be a, a pretty important one to see how these guys get on. I, I'd, I'd probably fear a defeat if, um, rather than think that a win will make everybody think that uh, that you know the victors will be. Um, Premier League title challenges. Mike, uh, one last one, mate. Uh, can't uh, let you go without uh, your comment on Big Sam Allardyce's first win as England manager against Slovakia uh, the other day. Of course, uh, 1-0 win. Uh, Adam Lallana at the death uh, got the win for him. Was it enough to sort of convince people that Sam is the right person? Did they play the sort of football that people dream of there in England? Um, no, there's there's been a lot of um, has been the opposite, really. He's picked a lot of the same players um, from the Euros, and they played just poorly, really, for ninety odd minutes until that winner went in. It was a, it was a dreadful game. Um, so I think there is a lot of convincing to do where he plays as well, and um, it is a big question. And the fact that Marcus Rashford scores a hat trick for the under twenty ones um, in the last twenty four hours shows that there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot uh, there's a lot of changes I think that needs to be done to that team before uh, there's the optimism uh, for any form of optimism at all um, with England doing well in Russia. Hey Mike, uh, thanks for your time again. Just just before you go. Uh... We talked about Liverpool and John in Port Melbourne just sent us a text message saying, don't waste Mike's precious time talking about minnow clubs like <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> so uh, we're sorry about that, but uh, yeah, we had to talk about it because uh, Warren asked a question. Hey, thanks for your time. Enjoy your weekend in Bournemouth and um, yeah, have fun. Cheers, guys. Peace <laughs> soon. Thanks. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break now and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Yep, coming up after Diego's All Night Appetite with uh, Scott Cooney. So it's been a big show, far show. Mike McGrath, we had Paul Ocon, talked about the Socceroos. Um, did you want to um, elaborate a little bit more on the Scotty Miller um, sacking? Well, we don't have a lot of time, but uh, it was interesting. The story broke today, I believe, and uh, it all stemmed around a good friend of the Diego's, Luke Trani, who's now the new assistant coach there, was sent home from their tour of China by the head coach, uh, Scotty Miller. And when it came to the uh, to the decision-making, uh, when they reviewed this, they said that Scotty was wrong. So, outski <laughs> for Scott. They've got an assistant coach there in Luke Trani, who's got full support of the board. And Laurie McKinnon, a bloke who's been in the game for a long time, very smart guy, he is the one who delivered the message to Scott Miller. So I'm thinking Scott's probably, you know, I'm speculating that he probably didn't act appropriately. Carlos, do you think the sentence was, it's either him or me? <laughs> yeah, and they said, something like that. it's you. Yeah, we'll go with the assistant, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those guys out there in the NPL looking for an A-League job, you might get one. I wonder how a conversation like that would go on the Diego's. Don't forget the NPL Grand Final, Oakley Cannons in South Melbourne this Sunday. 5.30 kick-off at uh, Lakeside. Make sure you get there. So remember, Carlos. We have Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever Samba, Rumba and La Bamba. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever gringos play football. We'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Four Diego. Ole! Ole! Yeah.